All right, all right, day 251. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see our sales. All right, so we're in uh, day 251, and remember last time we talked about how Jesus has set his face to go to Jerusalem. And so Jesus is literally journeying with his disciples on the way. And remember, I told you is that the gospel uh, writers want to show us the way as they're on the way. They want us to show us the way we follow Jesus. And I love how he opens up chapter 13 because Jesus is 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 going to open up talking about repentance. Right. He's going to open up talking about repentance. He's going to use a historical account of Pontius Pilate dealing with the Galileans. Right. As an opportunity to teach. Right. And it's interesting that with Jesus, you'll see that every moment in the Gospels is a teaching moment. What it means to be a disciple is to sit at his feet and learn from him. One question we can usually we can really ask ourselves, man, like in our walks with Christ is what is Jesus trying to teach me? Right. And we ought to pray to that end as well, <laughs> that God will continually teach us and that we have the ears to hear to hear him. And his point in the beginning of 13 is that the proper response to everything Jesus is doing is repentance. (laughs) It's simple, but it's not easy, right? Like it's simple. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Like all you have to do is repent and turn from your ways, right? Repent and turn from your ways and come and put your faith in me. And this repentance that Christ calls us to is necessary right repentance is necessary and it's interesting because he says repent or you will perish now we you know we tend to think about and i love this section of luke because he he's gonna say some beautiful things and some hard things we tend to think of jesus as this just kind of nice fluffy kind guy and he is in in a sense but he also was was uh i'm trying to choose my words carefully like he didn't hold no punches fam like he kept it a buck he was real he said he wasn't afraid to say hard things. And this often got him in uh, a lot of trouble with folks because he wasn't trying to uh, not tell the truth. And so Jesus is saying, like, no, 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 like repentance is necessary to come into the kingdom. And he goes on to explain uh, more about the kingdom. And he says, no, 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 like I need fruit. Right. Remember, we talked about it in Matthew. Uh, in other words, to follow Jesus, to be faithful and follow Jesus means to be fruitful in following Jesus. And so Jesus is going to talk about uh, this barren fig tree and give this parable that symbolizes the fruitlessness of Israel. Right. Israel was supposed to bear fruit for God and the proof in the pudding that they are not proof is in the pudding that they are not bearing fruit because they are rejecting and have so much animosity. Not all of them, but some of them towards Jesus. And this is why he says at the end, he's like, yo, it's narrow. That way is narrow, fam. And he says, I'm actually headed to Jerusalem, right, to die. And notice what happens at the end of 13. He says at that time, some Pharisees came and told him. Get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go tell that fox, look, I'm driving out demons and performing healings today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will complete my work. He says, yet it is necessary that I travel today, tomorrow and the next day, because it is not possible for a prophet to perish outside of Jerusalem. 
it is necessary. It is necessary. It is necessary. Listen, the word he uses there is one word in the Greek uh, New Testament uh, day, right? It's day. And when he uses that word in Luke and in Acts, it's basically talking about this plan, right? So the plan of salvation, one of the major themes of Luke is that this king, this messianic king is bringing salvation. The plan of salvation, it is necessary for Jesus to accomplish his plan that he has been given and commissioned with, right? And so Christ is going to say like, no, part of the plan, fam, is for the prophet that I am, he's a king, but he's also a prophet, to be rejected. And he's gonna go on to say, like, no, 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 like Jerusalem kills the prophets who are sent to her, right? This is a this is a, a long uh, he said, I follow in a long line of rejection, right? Of cats like Jeremiah, of cats like Isaiah, cats like Ezekiel. Isaiah, by the way, uh, uh Jewish tradition believes that he was actually sawed in two. Go read Hebrews chapter eleven. Uh Moses, who was rejected by his people, right? Over and over and over, Jesus is saying, like, no, 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 like Cats is just being in line with how they always been, right? And again, uh, the gospel of Luke is centered around Jerusalem. God is going to bring, ironically, through the rejection of his end-time prophet, God is going to bring salvation to Jerusalem and thus to the ends of the earth. 14 comes, and one of my favorite passages in 14 is this passage that talks about the costs of following Jesus. I love it. 14, 25, it starts this way. It says, um, now great crowds were traveling with him. So he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And he goes on to say, uh, in the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. And he fills in the, 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 the point and the teaching there by saying um, that it is costly to follow me. Right. It is costly to follow Jesus. And I think we have to continue to keep this element of the gospel presentation in our gospel presentations. Right. Like that this thing that we're calling people to cost them something right and he's like he gives the example he's like yo who anybody who wants to do anything who would not count the cost first and so in other words he's like i have to let you know what you're actually signing up for right i don't want you to get hit with a surprised fee right like he's like no no, no. like following me means bearing a cross and he talks about you know hating the mother brother all that kind of stuff it's not literal, but it's just rhetorical. And he's saying that your relationship with me is the one relationship that changes every relationship, right? The relationship with me changes absolutely everything, right? And again, the, the love and devotion and loyalty you have to me should so like like should, should so supersede and surpass any other love and loyalty in your life that it looks like hate right not saying he's obviously jesus is not saying uh you should literally hate people in your fam right but he's saying the love you have for me should be so incomparable that they almost are opposites right and i love it because jesus is going to go on man and, and talk about uh this cross we all have to bear right and i love what um one pastor says he says man salvation is the free gift that costs you 
everything, right? Like Christianity, fam. Like if you say you're a Christian, but you don't sacrifice at all, if it doesn't cost you something to follow Jesus, we have to ask the hard questions to ourselves, the hard question to ourselves. Are we actually following Jesus? And he's super clear about that in all of his teachings, in all of the gospels, right? And I think the, the point, again, is not that this is radical. It's just that it's biblical, right? It's not just that it's radical. It's actually biblical. 15 comes. Much lighter note. <laughs> 15 comes. And you have these three stories, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, right? And again, I said before that a huge theme in Luke is salvation, right? And these, these three stories are all parables, right? So they're all fictional stories that Jesus is going to use to, to illustrate real spiritual truths, right? And notice um, that in the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, they build up to the climax, right, of the parable of the lost son, also affectionately known as the prodigal son. And the first two verses are very important for context. Most of us read these uh, passages out of context. It says this, all the tax collectors and sinners <laughs> were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were come complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Um, you know, as he goes, he's talking not just to the crowds, but he's also specifically talking to uh, the Pharisees. And um, when you look at the three stories in parallel, you see what they have in common. One is salvation, right? As much as salvation is corporate, right? As you read the Old Testament, it's really hard to see salvation as just individual, right? Like God is dealing with a people. You are saved into a people, right? Um, but here, Jesus also like corrects an oversimplification or extreme because it's also individual, <laughs> right? Like in each of these three stories, there's only one sheep. There's only one coin and one person that is sought after. And notice in these stories, each one is lost, right? And I think as you read through Luke, you'll see more that every single person, according to Jesus, this is Jesus talking, not me. Every single person on earth who does not have Jesus is spiritually lost. Our language, then, if that's true, our language should be not that we found God, but that God comes to find us and notice too in the text though that it's not just about uh uh, uh divine um uh, sovereignty but also human responsibility right so it's like each one repents right in repentance remember repentance is a major theme luke acts we talked about it in luke 13 repent or perish right john the baptist comes on the scene you know what he says repent jesus comes on the scene first words repent you know what happens in acts chapter 2 after peter receives the spirit repent right uh paul gets up gets gets, gets brought up after acts chapter 9 and on to the rest of the book of acts repent right and so repentance and faith two sides of the same coin both go hand in hand but i love what happens too in these texts and you see it especially in the prodigal son um is rejoicing right rejoicing 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 um our repentance does lead to joy right repentance living in the way god has called you to live turning from your sin does lead to joy but it also leads to God's rejoicing, right? And I think that's such a beautiful truth because God is glad that he saves you, right? God is glad that he saves you. He doesn't begrudgingly hold out the offer of salvation. He doesn't tell you to hurry up or else, 
But God is glad when we turn to him. Right. And we see in this text, especially with the um, younger and elder brother, that the elder brother uh, should be glad as well. Right. Like that he saved his brother. Right. And um, man, I love it because, uh, you know, God's love, again, is corporate, but it's also like specific. Right. It's also intimate and individual god loves us and goes after us as if there was only one of us right and this invitation to the to discipleship uh uh is 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 one where god comes to meet us listen the trajectory of the bible is not us going to be with god it is god coming to be with us and when we realize this that when we were far off when we were far from God. He came and got us, right? And came to be with us. He came and is Emmanuel, God with us. It changes everything. And we see just the compassion of our God, right? And we ought to be uh, those who are compassionate as well. Last point, last chapter of this bunch, chapter 16. I love it. Dishonest manager. You have uh, the parable of the dishonest manager. You have um, a sharp rebuke of the Pharisees and you have the parable of the rich man. And Lazarus and Jesus's point in all of these is that um, he is not in the business of sharing his lordship. Right. And he's going to particularly talk about that in light of money and material possessions. Right. And they listen, money and material possessions are not uh, forbidden. You're not forbidden from having them. But Christ repeatedly warns us about them having you. Right. Like you can have them, but. If they have you, that's that's the problem. Right. And the possessions we have, again, we said this before, are meant not to flex, not to flaunt or, or promote status, but to be stewarded. That's the that's the purpose of the first uh, parable here. Like they're to be stewarded faithfully. Right. Um, before uh, our Lord and before our king and for the advancement of his kingdom. Right. And for the good of others. And uh, when he gives the sharp rebuke of the Pharisees right after this, he talks about how they were lovers of money. And he talks about um, the law and the prophets and the scriptures instructing them uh, in this way and the uh, in enduring validity of the scriptures in his own day. And he finishes off with this parable of uh, the rich man in Lazarus. Right. Um, and he talks about how, you know, having the riches of this world. Uh, without recourse to God is something that won't pan out in the long run, right? And he and he, and he shows that um, it may be sweet and cool for a time, but it will come a time when the fates are reversed, right? Remember, Jesus keeps coming back to this uh, theme of reversal of fortunes. Uh, read uh, the first few chapters of Luke. And, um, you know, many people pursue um, and give their lives to chasing a bag, fam. Like chasing a bag, getting a bag, you know what I'm saying? Building the money, won't won't. Um, partially because they want security for the future. And what Jesus is saying here is brilliant, fam. Is because in other words, he's saying that uh it may be able to help you in the immediate future, but it has no help or nothing to do for you in your eternal future. And eternity in comparison to time is like a grain of sand, right? Compared to all of the beaches of the world, right? There is no comparison. And Christ says, what, how foolish would you be 
to spend your life, right, going after something that can't help you for most of the time, <laughs> you will be in existence, right? And again, you may say, what does all this have to do with following Jesus? And Jesus would say everything, right? Everything. Listen, Jesus is Lord and he wants to be Lord over every single part of your life, right? And as we learn in Luke chapter four, remember he summarized his ministry with freedom, right? If you bring your life under Jesus's lordship, you'll be free. If you go under the lordship of money, oh, you'll just be a slave. You'll be a slave, right? Freedom, salvation, rest, renewal. Listen, in true life can only be found living under the lordship and submitting every area of your life under the lordship of Jesus. Let's pray. God, we ask that we would submit every single area of our lives to your lordship, God. You are a good and gracious God. I pray that we will believe that. I pray that we will believe you are a God of compassion who sees us when we are far off and comes running after us. Would you give us the grace and eyes to 